the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 141 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, and with me this week, like every week, is the Wheeler Walker Jr. of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. As we look back on a mad week in MMA and look forward to the next week as well of MMA, we're going to chat about last week's UFC Sydney card. Not a, the best card in the world. There was a bit of commotion between Fabrizio Verdum and Colby Covington. We're going to talk about that. We're going to look ahead to next week's uh, card in China with uh, Michael Bisbee and Kelvin Gastelum on top of that. We're going to talk a little bit about this rumoured Nate Diaz, Tyron Woodley fight, although that m- might not be happening now. And with Cyborg and Home talk uh, happening instead, we'll talk about that. We'll look back as well at McGregor's apology after we talked about that a lot last week about the, the actual incident. Uh, and a couple more things too, like Jack Swagger, GSP, get a, a lot of boys and and Vulcan Odzimir's incident and other things. Anyway, Graham, before we do that, how how was your weekend? How are things? Yeah, good, good. I'm a bit uh, I'm a little bit hungover, but I'm but I'm all right. You sound like you're absolutely dying. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm not doing I'm not doing great. Bit of a cold as well gone. I believe you've a bit yeah, of a think, cold gone. I think I have a cold coming on. Yeah, yeah. I've got to get to my, many lamps have been to me this summer. Do you have more Salah fever? <laughs> yeah, I got. Mohammed Fever. He's he's good in fairness now. Been, I love I like a bit of Mo myself. He's a he's a good player and Yeah. You don't need a twenty twenty goal season striker, you just get a twenty goal uh, season winger instead. Yeah. he's nine now or something, is he? Fair play to him. Fourteen fourteen. Oh really? A nine in the Premier League does, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talking proper proper shit though as well. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm just talking about the real league, the only competition that matters. But yeah, Man United came back to Paul Pogba coming back, running, absolutely running the show. I, I wonder will lads who write articles about uh, Man United being rubbish for the last six weeks and will will come on the last eight weeks, come on now and say how good they are. And it was all. I don't think they're talking about them being rubbish. They're just talking about the, the the style of play being dire. Yeah, but isn't it funny that they always say like, "Oh, the Man United play a real bad style of play when they spend three hundred and twenty million. Yet a player that paid a hundred million of that on is out, and they don't even mention that. Isn't that kind of funny? Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, but that's the way of football. People are obsessed with, with the numbers and all that stuff. I don't really care as long as the players yeah. playing well, or like I don't care how much it costs. Yeah, I hate that. It's like, oh, he's not he's not worth sixty million. Why would we pay that from? It's like I don't care. Like it, <laughs> it's the most stupid thing. Like you can. It's not my bank account. Like <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. Oh, you're playing Zlatan three hundred thousand a week. What are you? I was like, oh, so what? I don't like. Why would I care? They're, like where's that money going anyway? Malcolm Glazier, like, or no, he's dead now. Actually, <laughs> something not gone to him, got to his sons. But uh, yeah, good weekend for Man United and Liverpool. But Champions League is back this week, isn't it? So yeah, Liverpool have Sevilla uh, midweek. So well, who do Man United have? Basel, I think. But Man United are basically already qualified. They only need a point from like the last two or two or three games or whatever it is. But, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, the Liverpool. How are Liverpool getting on there? I can't even remember. It seems like ages. Yeah, Top of the group, but we, uh, but the the Sevilla. It was two draws at the start, Sevilla and Moscow, and then since then wins against Maribor. Right. Grand. Look, this weekend was actually kind of better for soccer than it was for MMA, to be honest. Uh, there, was a, there was a couple of good games going on, that Arsenal-Tottenham game. But let's get let's get to the MMA. Some ruggers, uh, I didn't see that. Man United were on during that. Like, why, why, would, why would you watch that shot in Man United? Man? Like, that's just not happening, to be honest. <laughs> that's right, let's was get that, to the... Like a, 
U team or something as well of, of Ireland. Yeah, playing Fiji, only barely about him. Now, anyway, let's get to the MMA. Uh, Fabrizio Verdum against Marcin Tybora was the headline of n- not a great card. I believe both of us kind of slept through it and watched Cash caught it this morning. But com- coming into it, I suppose the biggest news. Along with what was a one, two, three, four, five, what one, two, three, four, five people missing weight, I believe, which is a bit insane. Um, yeah, something like that. A weird card, but the, the whole Colby Covington Fabrizio Verdum incident was was very weird. And it, it's it's one of these incidents that it's I, I don't it's I don't know is it serious or not serious to be honest because someone tweeted I was kind of making jokes about it and a lot of people weren't someone kind of tweeted me saying oh you're making jokes about this but you're taking a McGregor incident real seriously and giving out last week and eh, that's a fair enough thing to say I suppose but I think the difference here is just two idiots like Verdum and you know acting the idiot throwing a boomerang at someone Colby Covington just acting the idiot as well like when when two of them are doing it I'm like I, there's no sympathy there for anyone I think it was just <laughs> stupidity all around and it, it was a bit. What, what did you think of it? Do you think it was just kind of a funny laughing point, or do you think it was? Um, uh, it was stupid, but uh, yeah, you can't be throwing stuff at people. You, you, like, Verdum's getting in fights left and right here now. Like you know, he's he's constantly getting in getting in little uh, kerfuffles and um, just controversy constantly. And he just needs to relax. He he's, he's he seems to be some crusader or something these days. <laughs> yeah, like when when himself is like very suspect as a person. You know, he's we we saw him. You know, he what did he call him a maricone or something? We thought, discussed that a few weeks back. But the way he used a lot of people were talking about. It was bad he obviously hangs out with uh valdrim kadirov all the time you know warlord over in chechnya he's not exactly the best person to be you know crusading around the place and it, it, i think it's a bit weird we'd call big covington because he's clearly playing an act like this is this is not actual Colby Covington. like i'm sure if Colby Covington sat down with verdum and had a you know had a point or something it'd be grand but like he's clearly play- he, you can say stupid things when you're playing that act as well we discussed it a few weeks back again. I don't think he said anything that, but he called it, what he called dirty animals. Yeah, yeah, come on, like, Jesus, if we're getting too too offended by that. You get offended by anything, like, and uh, not, I'm not sticking, these days, though. Yeah, I'm not sticking up for Colby, but I'm like, wh- how gullible actually is Verdum? Like, like, he do, do people not understand he's playing a role, or am I just gone mad? Or what's the crack with it? Yeah, I, I, it was probably the first Verdum probably heard of Covington was when he started saying all that stuff. So. uh I, 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 doubt, I doubt for Dooms like uh, watching the up and comers in the welterweight division too closely and paying attention to their their social media and their interviews and stuff. So maybe the first thing he heard was, was that. But like filthy animals, like you know, if the Irish were called filthy animals or whatever, like I, I don't think anybody be be offended over here. So I, I, I don't know. No, the weird thing sensible about their country. Yeah, the weird thing about Colby Covington as well is like people are saying doing using the argument that oh we didn't hear of him before and we know we know he is because he's talking and that that's fair enough as well, but. I think that's that's fine if you kind of have the ability the ability to back it up, and he, I know he beat Demi in my all, but I just don't still think he does. When Chael Sonnen was doing it, we knew Chael Sonnen was getting towards the title. You know, he fought, he got into a fight with Anderson Silva, he got back into a fight with Anderson Silva, Silva fought John Jones, even though he didn't earn that John Jones one or anything. Same as McGregor, I think most people knew McGregor's quality, especially you know after he beat uh, the likes of Max Holloway and. Uh, later on, obviously Chad Mendes and Dustin, especially that Dustin Warrior fight. I think people realise that that then. And I know Covington has got the good wins, as I said, Maya um, as well. But I don't know for for someone like my point of view, and I think a lot of people who make this a talking point, they just don't see the fighting bit with it. 
Yeah, well, his style of, of, of relentless wrestling is very hard to deal with at the, the non-upper echelon levels, but when you get up to people like Tyron Woodley and, and stuff, they, like, they're all well-versed in that. And I see uh, Tyron Woodley being a terrible matchup for him and a, a couple others at the top, but you know, not everybody can be the best, and he's making a name for himself. People are talking about him. Even when he's not fighting, he's got people putting him in the headlines, and um, there's a lot of articles and going around about him, so he's doing a good job, and I know a lot of people hate him, but that's that's part of the that's part of his stick. Yeah, we'll get to Woodley again after after uh, our chat about UFC Sydney, but let's get to, to UFC Sydney and Verdum in the actual in the actual cage. I was very impressed actually with Verdum's uh, performance against Marcin Tibor. You know, he he came out, he got a lot of forward pressure. I think he Tibor was kind of expecting him maybe to play that game where he kind of gets hit, goes down, tries to get on bottom or tries to get a takedown and get on top. You know, he's always kind of wild at the start. But Verdum was kind of fighting a very... I know he's done it before, but it was... I think it was the most kind of detailed Muay Thai fight he's ever fought. He There wasn't really any of the fuck falling to the ground trying to get on the bottom or going for many takedowns or anything like that. He was attacking the body very well. Uh, he was just, Tybora was struggling really to get anything off for most of the fight. I think in the second round was his best round. One judge, I think, scored him. I think it was the second or the third round, but every other judge scored him 50-45 uh, uh, on, on all cards. He only won one card and three judges' cards. And I think that was because he kind of he was changing up his stances and getting away from Verdum as much as he could, and I think that kind of was what Salvage did for him. But other than that, I thought it was just a very good forward motion from Verdum, landing shots to the body and, and the head uh, with kicks. Um, and all Tybura was landing back with was kind of one big shot in the round, but it still made it kind of a lively fight because I think Verdum was landing the harder shots and he was landing more shots. But I think the, the big shots Tybura landed actually did more damage to Verdum than Verdum shots did to Tybura and that's probably a thing with age and, and uh, wear as well but that going forward it might be a little thing to, to be worried about with Verdum as well but overall what way did you did you see the fight did you enjoy it yeah well like uh, I was kind of expecting Verdum to get the finish uh, uh, submission wise but he, he didn't really play that game plan as you said it was more uh, Muay Thai and I think I actually the judge, one of the judges the judge that did give a 49-46 gave the last round to Tybura Oh really? All right. Uh, all the other ones to Verdum, which is a little strange, but uh, yeah, no, it was a dominant performance from Verdum, and um, it was it was a strange matchup in the first place. I know they were trying to put a trying to put a big heavyweight fight on the card, but it just I don't know. There wasn't much buzz about it. There was much more buzz, as we said earlier, about the the whole incident with the boomerang, and and yeah, um, Verdum's obviously he's he's always been really good on the ground. Obviously, everybody knows that he's he's decorated and stuff, but. In the last say five or six years, he's he's gotten a lot better on the feet, and he he seems to be still getting better even even at forty. Um, he's he's kind of fearless, as we were saying, because because he doesn't fear to take down. He he can throw kind of unorthodox things and and kind of not worry about not worry about the repercussions of being put in his back because that's what he he wants you to to kind of take him down like like Kane did when he when he won the belt. He he's kind of inviting you to take him down so he can grab a submission. Yeah, it's difficult to know where Verdum is going next because obviously he fought Steve Miocic. In uh, May 2016, for the title, lost his title there, and is three and one since, only losing to Alistair Overeem. Obviously, Alistair Overeem is fighting Francis Ngannou coming up. Whoever wins that, uh, if Overeem wins, it's hard not to give Overeem that title shot in front of Verdum if you're looking at it that way because he beat him what three fights ago. Then if Ngannou wins, I think it's nailed on that he's getting the title shot. If it does win, I think because of that fight happening, I think it's actually very hard for Verdum unless someone gets hurt in that fight. Um, 
I think Ken Velasquez makes sense. Obviously, you know, he beat Kane a while back. He needs another big win to get back into the title pitcher, I reckon. I think if Kane is coming back, you know, mid-part of next year, Verdum has had two fights now in in, uh, in quick order here. I think if he waits a little bit, gets Kane, and maybe on the same card as, as Stipe fights, whenever that is, you know, early next year or, or whatever, I think, do you think that'll be a good option? Um, I think for Verdum it would be it would be a nice time to get Kane, but for Kane it would probably be he'd probably want like ideally like how long has he been out for what two two and a bit years two and a half years he's been out a good bit anyway but let me look what was his last fight hold on one second uh, uh, Travis, Travis Brown, Travis Brown. That's why he uh, but he he's a, yeah, that's only a year and a half yeah 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 I think um. I think it'd be a very it'd be, it'd be a good fight. Like I thought the the first fight was good, and obviously there was problems with Kane uh, gassing out after they called him Cardio Kane for a month and all the promos. Um, but uh, I'd like to see I'd like to see Kane kind of brought back in slowly. I don't know, like it's hard to know with Kane though because if you try to bring him back in slowly and give him a, a, a nice matchup, like maybe like the Travis Brown type matchup that he already that he just had, but then. He's probably just going to get injured again, and then you're back to square one. So maybe you got to just put him in a big fight against a Verdum or a, or an Overeem or something. Um, Kane Velasquez is kind of just a, it's a it's a real shame, like because he had so much potential, and I, I think he's just he's one of those guys who kind of when he's not in camp and he's and he's not training for a fight, he gets kind of out of shape. And I think um, I, I think. We we might end up missing the he may end up not hitting the potential that that he had and if you give him for doom and he ends up losing where does he go from there you know so maybe they could give him um, a nicer matchup maybe maybe even um, like a lower ranked guy not not a top guy just just to get him back in there get a nice a nice win and then book him for a quick turnaround against somebody like for doom Derek Lewis give him Derek Lewis that's the easiest matchup yeah, you could possibly you could get well. Yeah, how does Derek Lewis end up winning that one? Though? Uh, he probably does. Yeah, some probably some <laughs> or something. Yeah, Blades or something like Stefan Struve, somebody like that. Like you know, somebody who you just run through real quick, get him kind of back back fight sharp again, and put him in there with somebody top contender like Verdum or <sighs> or uh, or over him. The, the heavyweight division is so weird because for years and years and years, Dude, you know, Volkov had actually be... Volkov would be a good, would be Volkov, a good fight yeah. for Kane. Yeah, there's a lot of good fights there. But as I said, the heavyweight division is weird because for years and years and years, we couldn't get you know two defensive uh, champions defending the belt in a row. Kane was, as you said, Kane was out injured for ages. Then comes back, loses it. There was an interim title. You know, there was, there's been a few interim titles. Lesnar was away with his diverticulitis, all different sort of stuff. You know, going back years and years and years. And now we've Stephen Miocic, who looks to be kind of a, a level-headed champion or a you know champion that could defend his belt a few times and now he's not fighting it's just it's so weird like and it doesn't look like he's fighting anytime soon doesn't have a fight coming up or anything maybe he's waiting for this this over him uh against um francis ingenor fight to happen to get the winner that maybe he's waiting for ken velasquez you know there was talks of that fight happening a while back as well but it's it's such an odd division and that hurts a guy like verdum as well who's fighting all the time because you know, if imagine if Steepa was fighting in the next pay per view, look, if he was fighting Kane or um, Overeem or whoever, whoever it might be, Francis Ngannou, Mark Hunt, whatever, then Verdun would have a kind of better chance of coming in. But it's weird that the, the division is kind of, it's not, it's not that the division is being held up, but it's, it's just that there's kind of a, a standoff there with with Steepa Miocic, and I don't know, do you like, is it going to end when it's Overeem? Versus Ingenau, is is he going to fight that person, or do you think he's waiting for that big money and he's waiting for maybe Kane to come back next year? 
Yeah, there's no talk about him. He must be injured or there must be something going on there. Um, because like they were talking about this UFC two and nine end of the year show, trying to get a big headliner, and um, the casual fans always like a big heavyweight scrap, especially uh, with a belt on the line. Um, so you think that that if 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 he was available, they'd be trying to put him put him on the card, but they don't. They don't. Doesn't seem to be any mention whatsoever of it. Um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Francis. As long as Francis can win, I'd say that that'd be a big fight. I think. Um, I think for the casuals anyway, or for the the hardcores anyway. I don't know if the casuals even know about Francis Ngannou yet. But you can yeah. you can you can run like promos and countdown shows and stick him on stick him on TV and show him just throwing around other massive men, making making fools of them, and yeah. get people on board. But it might be a bit quick for Francis Ngannou. As well, like he, he's 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 like he's young for the heavyweight division, but I think the way he's gone through people, you kind of have to give him a title shot soon, especially especially if he, if he wins the next one convincingly. Yeah, I agree with that. I you know I think he's nearly already there. If he beats over him, I think it makes sense. But I still have that inkling that Verdum is or uh, Mayocha, sorry, is waiting for Ken Velasquez. It's waiting for the money. It's waiting for maybe a new contract as well. So it's interesting to see how that. Uh, I think that if Overeem wins, like you know, Overeem could 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 beat Francis and you know he could play the, the long game, leg kicks, distance striking, like he has been doing in uh, recently under Jackson. He could win that, and then I suppose that would be a big fight. People know Overeem; he's he's a huge guy. Um, casuals know him as well, like so. Um, from Yochich, it might be for pay per view money and all that stuff. It might be better if if Overeem wins, but um, yeah, it's 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 strange because Yochich just hasn't been mentioned recently. So yeah, he must he must have some injury that we just haven't that we haven't heard about. Yeah, uh, let's move on from that uh, to to down to the rest of the card. And as you saying there, it was a lot of a lot of decisions and stuff. One that stuck out for me before we get to a, kind of a couple of the finishes and talking minds from more down the card was Elias Teodoro against Dan Kelly. Uh, it wasn't the greatest fight in the world, you know. Dan was doing what Dan does. He was trying to close the distance, trying to put on pressure, looking for those judo throws. And I think Teodoro was kind of a, you know. Uh, to be honest, I thought Kelly would win because I thought he'd be able to do that. I thought he'd be, maybe be able to outlast Teodoro, be a little bit starter, smarter than him. But I thought he's, I thought Teodoro actually improved <clears throat> from from his past outings. Uh, there's a tendency he's kind of you know this karate kicker and kind of a hard wrestler. Then when he wants to, when he gets inside, he's a very good top game. But I think he used his legs and his karate a lot more in this fight than he, he normally does <clears throat> or used it better anyway. And I think going forward, that's, you know, that's a good way for him to go. Teodoro, he, he kind of mentioned it himself afterwards in the interview that he hasn't been doing MMA that long. He hasn't been doing martial arts that long. And I think he's a guy, you know, he's a dark horse in that division. I think I don't, I'm not saying championship dark horse or anything, but get him another two or three years in there, or maybe not even that long, uh, working with Farah Sahabi as well. And I think he's a guy that, you know, could rise through the ranks in there in that division. And Dan Kelly, you know, is no easy matchup, but you know, Dan goes for it uh, straight away. And fighting guys like that, it's it's often tough and it's hard to look good against that. You know, we saw Rashad Evans uh, lose to Dan Kelly when he did that to him. And we, you know, we know how good, uh, we know who good, good Rashad Evans is. And a couple more guys did it as well. And I, I was, to be honest, I was impressed with Elias Theodoro. And I think we've criticized him before for maybe being a little bit boring and, you know, play maybe maybe not playing a little bit safe, but you know, going going the route that he knows can get him to win without getting that big finish and needs to move him forward. And I don't think it was possible to get the finish in this one uh, necessarily, but I thought he's uh, he performed pretty well. 
Yeah, he's like he's twenty nine. He's he's not young. In the, he's not young, but he's young in the game, as you, as you, as he was saying, and he, and you're saying, yeah. like he has losses recently to um, Brad Tavares, and then back in twenty fifteen, December twenty fifteen, to Thiago Santos. But their decision losses, you know, he's not getting embarrassed in them. And besides that, he's undefeated. So uh, Brad Tavares may not be a big name, but he's an awkward guy, and he's a he's a tough tough matchup in the division as well. Like so, there's um, I just Dan Kelly. It's just kind of. I, look, I look, like I love watching Dan Kelly. He's brilliant and all, but maybe recently he has looked a bit over the hill. Even though he he he, he kind of started MMA when he was over the hill, but um, maybe we're taking a bit too much from this one fight for Teodoro. It'll be interesting to see what he does in the, in the next couple of fights to see if he actually has progressed or if it's a if Dan Kelly kind of you know his his several knee injuries and ankle injuries finally affecting him or his his age, uh, the damage he took in the fight previous stuff like that. So. Well, he's one to watch. I know he loves Theodore. I don't see him going all the way or anything, but I think he'll be a he'll be a top fifteen guy for for a good few years anyway. Yeah, another one to watch, I suppose, is uh, Jake Matthews. For me, uh, I've read a lot him of controversy for... around that decision, was there? Yeah, I thought I thought it was all right. Yeah, the other guy, a lot of people had thirty twenty seven the other way. Oh really? I I thought I thought it was two one going into the third, and I thought Matthews just did enough. I, you know, if you'd scored it for Bojan, I would I wouldn't mind it. I thought it was twenty nine twenty eight the other way, but the, the, I think that brings up the issue I have with Matthews as well. Though, but it, you know, he reminds me a little bit of of Rose and Amiunis in that, and it's kind of the opposite way around. Rose was kind of this mad um, submission artist before. And turned into a really good striker, and then put the two things together. Jack Matthews was a kind of a wild striker before, and then was getting to his submissions. But now it's kind of all wrestling submissions and jujitsu. He's kind of a guy that's fell in love with that. I think when he kind of puts the two of them together better, he could be he could be a really really good fighter in that division. I think he's he's only three losses now. He's only twenty three years of age. You know, he's like James Vick, uh, Kevin Lee, and Andrew Holbrook. You know. Two, uh, Kevin Lee and, and uh, James Vick, and two probably you know championship level close to fighters anyway. Uh, obviously, Kevin Lee fought for the belt there recently. Uh, and I, I don't know. It, it's, there's something with Jack Matthews. He's young and everything. It hasn't clicked yet, but there's. I get a feeling with guys like that that it's going to click and he's going to become very good. But it, this one as well. Obviously, he's had. Um, I think it was he was a year out of out of the octagon between this and his last fight. Yeah, almost exactly a year after his after his last loss and he had a few injuries and stuff moving up to welterweight as well. So that's an issue. But I'm really looking forward to seeing his next couple of fights as well. I, you know, this this card might have been the best in the world, but I think there was a good few good prospects on it and a, you know a few guys who can you know take take a route to the top maybe like the bisping route or something like that or you know you know something especially for t daru who obviously won tough as well or you know a, a different route to the top and maybe like a, a, a matt brown or something like that and it's, it's interesting to to look for uh matches as well especially going forward i think yeah like he, when he came into the uc he was probably he was probably like what like 20 and had like six seven fights and he went in and kind of made a splash i think he's i think it was two submissions over deshaun johnson and uh Wagner Rocha, two chokes, and people were kind of excited about him, and uh, the hype train was kind of going. And then, obviously, when you James Vick, as as we as we've seen, is not is no joke. He's he's uh, one of the winningest oh, fighters in the division. Uh, <laughs> I know how much you love that making up fake words. Um, that kind of set him back, but as you say, he's kind of he's kind of changed his style nearly, or he's he's working on different things since then. And okay, yeah, he lost to Kevin Lee early, got 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 TKO'd, but 
the Halberg one was very close with the decision, and he's he's not he, like he's fighting tough tough guys for a twenty three year old. Like a, a lot of times, you can have you can have like certain facets of the game down when you're young, but you don't kind of it doesn't flow together. Mm-hmm. But sometimes then after after a while it just starts to click, and all of a sudden then you look way better. So um, like Jack, Jake Matthews definitely has uh, definitely has a lot of skill in a lot, in a lot of areas. He just needs to kind of maybe his fight IQ isn't isn't great at the moment and just putting it together and that takes time like 23 is so young it's just like i think uh john jones is probably the only guy who who at that age was kind of fully rounded or not fully rounded but near nearly fully rounded as a, as a fighter lots of guys um or lots of room for improvement for guys that are that are that young in their careers and that young uh age wise and young in the game so i, I expect jake matches keep getting better and um He's he's definitely a good prospect from Australia. Uh, one of their one of their best prospects, I'd say. Yeah. And the other two fights in on, on the main card, the other two big fights anyway, Bilal Muhammad against Tim Means and Jessica Ross Clark against uh, Beck Rollins. They kind of went in a similar way, in my opinion. I think it was the really hard working person against a really good athlete and the athlete won both those fights i think especially the jessica rose clark fight uh, against beck rollins i was very impressed with her i thought uh, you know obviously her ufc debut going in there in the, you know in the lion's den against uh, against beck rollins who's, uh, who's from australia I, th- I was very impressed with her work all around i thought she was very strong on the ground obviously beck rollins got a couple of takedowns and she immediately turned them over got back to her feet or else got on top uh, and worked i didn't think it was a split decision i thought clark uh, definitely won it and Bilal muhammad as well that that one was very close right tim means did a good job working the body using his size but i thought Bilal did a good job of getting inside landed that left hook over and over and over and to be honest i thought that alone kind of won him the fight i thought he was landing the a lot of power shots. Did you, I know you didn't watch it back after? Did you watch all both those fights? What do you think? Um, I yeah, I saw the the, the women's fight. I saw both of them actually. Yeah, um, yeah, Muhammad. Like he, he, that's a couple of like Tim Means and Jordan and Jordan Mean, uh, Randy Brown win. Like they're, they're really good wins, three in a row. Like Randy Brown is like the way he went through um, through what's his name, uh, Mikhail was a. Uh, like showed how good he is and what level he's at. Like a lot of people are excited about uh, Gal, especially talking up his uh, ground game. But that, that was no problem for Randy Brown, and he lost a unanimous decision to uh, Bahama, Bilal Muhammad. So yeah, like I, I think, I, I think um, the call out of, of Cody Covington, it, like, kind of makes sense. Like I, I know a lot of people want to fight Covington, but I think this this Bilal Muhammad fight actually makes sense. They're they're both kind of. Up and coming, even up and coming in the division on good streaks. So I think, I think that makes sense. Uh, I think that like the UFC would be wise to to give Kobe Covington matches he can win, not put him in too quickly. Like not that he's definitely going to beat Muhammad, but he has a style that that is favorable. I think uh, in that fight. So yeah, I think I think uh, that that was a call out that should happen. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. I don't think it will, to be honest. I think Bilal's a little bit below, you know. After beating Damian Maya to go from Damian Maya to Bilal Muhammad, I don't think it makes too much sense from a rankings point of view or a promotional point of view. But as a fight, I think it's it's a pretty good fight. But I'd, I'd hold Bilal back. You, you don't want him, you know, for for want of a better word, getting wrestle-fucked uh, against uh, against Kobe Covington. But yeah, I, I rate Bilal. I think he's a good fighter. Uh, and further down then, what about Will Brooks? Well, he, yeah. What, what do you think of that one? Yeah, um, I expect him to win that, but obviously um, Nick Lance is, is dangerous on the ground, but I don't know, Will Brooks has just been a disappointment uh, since he came over. I, I, I've heard like rumours about him not being that dedicated in training and not doing doing all that much and things like that, so 
Like you can be, you can have all the talent and all the technique in the world, but you, you got to put in the errors, or you're going to get beaten by guys who are putting in the work, like like Nick Lance. Like so, like I don't know that that's true for a fact about about his kind of lack of dedication, but it wouldn't surprise me the way the way the way he he's looked in the UFC. Yeah, he he's been so finished in his last like, three fights. So yeah. he, he looked he looked brilliant. Like he he's out there. Like he beat Martin Hell. He, he beat he beat Chandler. Like he finished Chandler. Like yeah. he he won a decision originally, didn't he? And then he finished Chandler. Like you know, Chandler's an absolute beast. He's beaten Saeed Awad. He's beaten John Alessio. Like these are good guys. Like you know, and then he comes to the UFC and he beats Ross Pearson and then loses to everybody else. So I know like. Charles Oliveira is a good fighter. He's very dangerous. You can lose a choke by him. But Nick Lance hasn't got that kind of danger uh, submission-wise that, that Oliveira has. Yeah. Charles Oliveira has. Like, Nick Lance is a good fighter, but like, I, I don't think you'd put him up there near a, a ranked fighter. Or like, If you're talking about someone who's beat Michael Chandler, like Nick, Nick Lance just isn't on that level. You know, he's he's some good wins over the likes of you know Hakron Diaz and and Manny Gamboa and Danny Castillo and stuff. But like he's been beaten by guys like just look at his record here: Mark Bocek, Evan Dunham. You know, obviously uh, Charles Oliveira as well, Islam Makachev. You know, good guys as well. But like you expect Will Brooks, a guy who, as I said, beat beat Michael Chandler twice. As you were saying there, he's a guy that should be moving on to that level. He just doesn't seem to have whether it's difficult to know what what it actually is. On commentary, they were they were talking about how like getting to the I, I'm not sure if it was him, but I, I think it was for his fight. It's like getting to the UFC is the goal for a lot of people, and once they're there, that's kind of it, you know. And and they think they've made it, but for other people, it's not just getting to the UFC; it's getting to the UFC and getting to the championship fights or getting to you know being to be the ranked. Ever, or being the, that should be the like somebody with the talent of Will Brooks and already being a champion in Bellator against like a guy that like. A lot of Bellator guys aren't respected, but Michael Chandler is, is highly respected. Like, yeah. like nobody's saying, oh, he's he's useless. He wouldn't do well in the UFC. People people would love to see Michael Chandler in the UFC, and he beat him twice in a row, and he beat him comprehensively the second time. Like, I don't know. Maybe it is a thing of he thought he'd made it. He's he, I'm here. Uh, like, I don't put I, uh, like I'm kind of don't put the effort in that I uh, the grind in that I did when I was on the way up trying to get that that contract. But I think he's not that much money. Like, you know, uh, until he gets like unless he gets to a title and gets pay-per-view points and stuff I, I, like i don't think he's making that much money so I, like i wonder i wonder maybe maybe like maybe it isn't a motivation problem maybe it's just he kind of plateaued but maybe maybe i don't know like he's in a good camp as well like it's not like you know oh if you just like michael mcdonald for years people were like oh if he just went to a good camp he'd be so much better do you reckon there's any chance of him getting caught Three last in a row now. Depends, depends what money he's on because, like, if he's on big money coming over for Bellator and he, he's definitely not selling any pay per views or putting many bums on seats, uh, Will Brooks isn't. So, uh, like, depends on the money he's on uh, and what his contract is. Yeah, he, he could get caught. Yeah, he, he definitely could. It's unfortunate. Like, it's and it's weird as well because we always talk about how guys kind of going over from Bellator and coming over, you know, from Bellator to the UFC. There isn't that much of a difference. You know, fight, if you're a good fighter in Bellator or the UFC, you're a good, you know, you can be a good fighter anyway. Look at Eddie Alvarez, he came over and won the championship. You know, even guys like Musasi going over and not doing that great in Bellator. Well, Musasi won, but he didn't fight that well. But our Vincent Henderson, or you know, other guys as well, we, we you know, we've seen it down through the years with obviously with Strike Force as well. Look how well the people have done there with Rousey coming in with the belt. Um, Luke Rockhold, obviously, Jack Ray doing very well, and other guys like that. Uh, it's 
this is kind of a kick in the teeth for that, and a lot of people, I suppose, will talk about it. But I, you know, it, it, I don't think they really might have much of a point in it. But the the, the point is, like, for Will Brooks, it's it's very weird because how how is he going to kick himself out of this situation? That, that's I suppose a question he'll have to ask himself, and that we can't answer. Like, but I I think he will get <clears throat> he will get one more shot, and. I could see him fighting Anthony Pettis next. I think that that's a kind of a fight that makes sense. Yeah, that does um, make sense actually. Yeah, and that's actually yeah. a, a pretty good style matchup for for Will Brooks as well. Like yeah. it, it, with the old Will Brooks, anyway, the guy the guy that beat Chandler and the guy that was <clears throat> that was really good in um, in Bellator. But um, sometimes they just hit a little rut like this, and <clears throat> maybe just there could be stuff we don't really know what's going on with Will Brooks. There's not much talk about him like outside of the when outside of his uh, fights, like before fights and stuff, but. Anything could be going on. He could, he could be personal problems. He could have. He could be nursing an injury. Who knows? But he definitely doesn't look like the same guy that we expected coming into the UFC from, from after beating Chandler comprehensively the second time and yeah. beating people like Martin Held relatively easy. And he just he just looks. He doesn't look like the same guy. He some, yeah. something's changed there. We don't I don't know what it is, but it seems that something's changed. Yeah, hundred percent. Anything else in the card uh, stand out for you? Anything you want to you want to mention from the other four or five fights? Um, it was a nice uh, knockout boy. What well, how do you say two Vaza? Yeah, he was good. He was Finally. actually impressive. Yeah, a big yeah. leg kick as well. Mm-hmm. Right before, like that was a nasty leg kick. And then as as the guy got up, um, as Coulter got up, he just hit him with a big knee and knocked him out. It was it was very nice. He's still under, he's undefeated, so he's one to watch. Mm-hmm. Poor old Rashad Coulter. He's in that war with um, uh, what's his name, the Gift Man. Chase Sherman as well, not too not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, so yeah. he's taking a lot of damage, poor guy. But yeah, I th- I thought he was impressive. You know, he reminded me he he fight, he obviously fights with uh with Mark Hunt, and he's a brother-in-law, I believe, of Tyson Pedro. And he he kind of reminded me of like a uh um if you were to mold the two of them together, he looked a bit like that. He seemed even though he's a uh, he's a bit of he's carrying a bit of timber on the midsection, he, he looked uh, uh and I'd know all about that. He he looked like a pretty good athlete. Looked like he hit hard. Obviously, knocked him clean out with with that knee. It was very very impressive. Looking forward to him going forward. You know, a lot yeah. of people uh, are sorry. The the commentary was talking about how he was he was out for a good bit. It's October 2016 since he last fought. Obviously, knocked out James Sweeney and you know did a lot of damage to James Sweeney. I believe wasn't that the fight where James Sweeney you know that basically retired James retired Sweeney in his corner. Yeah, and then gave that interview saying that he was fucked basically. Yeah. yeah, so six and all now coming in, you know uh, the UFC heavyweight division. He's only twenty four years of age. Yeah, that's badly so needed. Yeah, badly needed young talent. So give that man five six easy fights. Hopefully, and he's finishing people as well. Mm-hmm. Like so, that's all, obviously it's it's there's a higher rent of finishes in the heavyweight division, but sometimes um these guys come in and they're kind of knocking everybody out or submitting everybody on the regional team. They come in and they end up kind of. Not looking great and winning the decision, but this guy came in and made a real statement. And uh, at at that young, you know, he's got a lot of room for development. He's very young in the game as well as very young in age. So yeah, he's definitely one to watch. And as you say, he's, he's vital kind of shot in the arm for the heavyweight division. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Right. Let's get to to next week's card, and uh, it's off to I believe it's Shanghai, China. For the I think it's the first card ever in uh, mainland China. Obviously, the UFC were in Macau uh, before. Uh, this this is a big event, isn't it, for the UFC? It might not be the best card in the world, but it's I think it's an important market. You know, we've seen one FC uh, going into China, kind of with Ben Askren and stuff, but I don't think they're going to make the moves that the UFC could make. Uh, China, obviously, one of the you know the biggest markets in the world. Um, the UFC struggled to get in there for ages, and I think with WME IMG behind them, I think that's probably what helped for this to actually happen. And you, with the fact that Anderson Silva was on this card, fell out. 
and Kelvin Gastelum takes on Michael Bisping now. They had to get someone big to get in here to, to headline this card, and it's obviously an important card for them, uh, for them going into China. What, what are your thoughts on that? You, you know, obviously, we, we're no, uh, well, I do have an economics degree, but I'm no expert in economics, <laughs> but um, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Coming in here, and I think this kind of needs to be successful for them yeah. going forward to China. It's been talked about for for so many years about coming to China, and then they kind of did, as you said, the Macau thing, which is kind of not really China. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like its own its own entity. Um, so I'm surprised it's taken this long. And when they did come, now you look at the card, you're like, hmm, you think they would have given a bigger a bigger kind of entry to China than than this? I know there's a couple of Chinese guys on the card, like uh, your man Guan Wang is is he 19 and one? His only loss is to Magomedov, so he looks he looks like he has a prospect, but these guys he's been fighting besides you know a lot of guys you haven't heard of so it's gonna be interesting to see if, if, if he's good or not but um Alex Caceres is obviously uh we've seen him a lot he's he's very uh he's, he's very um what would you say he's got a flair he kind of he, yeah he's, he's always, yeah, always he's, good he's, to watch yeah he kind of came in and he, ha he didn't really have the fundamentals but he's kind of tightened them up over the years and he's He's like he's a good fighter. Like so, if 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 Wang can get a win over him, that's a real statement. Then he'd be twenty and one as well. So, um, that's that's of interest on the card. The main events of interest, and then the rest of it is just not great, to be honest. Uh, especially for like a first time in a, in a massive market, yeah, potentially yeah. massive market. market. Yeah, I like I think Shaman Marais against Zabit uh, Mega Mad Sharapov is good. Showtime Shapiro, yeah. my boy. I think that's yeah. No, it's, it's all right. Fight. Like, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's not really it's not really that one that you're like oh I can't wait for this there's nothing really on the card that you're like oh, I can't wait for that fight you know it, there's some good fights but there's there's nothing that stands out as a we get you tell your casual mates oh you need to come over and watch this this guy or you know what I mean like there's yeah there's no real standout standout matchup yeah hundred percent but let's talk about the main event so Michael Bisping against against Kelvin Gastelman I think we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago or last week when when Bisping yeah, yeah. got in but what what do you think of Bisping actually being put into this card you know it's what it's going to be three weeks uh, today since he fought GSP. Yeah, I, like, I, when people put up these when people put up these articles about oh he's suspended for this long, he's suspended for this long. It's just yeah. like no, he's not. It's just po like it's pointless. Everybody knows you can just go to like how many doctors are there in the world? Like actual qualified doctors, you need to go to any doctor and get them to say you're good, and then you're good. Like so, yeah. it's pointless. Like um, people are get hung up on that kind of stuff. But for Bisping, you know, he's, he's, it's not as if Bisping hasn't taken. Like, Bisping gets dropped in the first round of nearly all his fights. He takes serious damage. He took damage against GSP. Okay, he got choked, but he got dropped hard before that. And he'd taken a lot of jabs, a lot of punches, a lot of strikes. It's just, it's just unnecessary for Bisping. Like, it's not going it's, it's, it's to... Like, it's, it's not going to do much for him if he beats Kevin Gastelum. But Kevin Gastelum is a really tough fight for him as well. Like, and I, I'd have to go with Gastelum in this one, especially with Bisping just coming off uh, taking a bunch of damage against GSP three weeks ago. So I, I don't really, I don't really see what the, the upside for Bisping is, bar just payday. Yeah, I, uh, Kelvin Gastelum, all the fights he's lost, he, you know, he's lost three fights: lost to Chris Weidman, Neil Magny, and Tyron Woodley, who are all kind of wrestle boxers. Yeah. You know. <laughs> He Kelvin Gastelum, I think, is one of the most underrated strikers in the UFC. You know, outstruck Tim uh, Tim Kennedy, Johnny Hendricks, uh, Nate Marquardt, Jake Ellenberger. You know, a few more guys. Rick Story, who who obviously outstruck Gunnar Nelson, and you know, was a very very good fighter on his day. Uriah Hall as well in in the uh, in the Ultimate Fighter finale. I think I'm not sure if Bisping's going to be able to do that. You know, Bisping's a good striker as well. Obviously, he's going to have a size advantage and stuff. But it's I think it's a similar enough matchup. To, to the GSP one in terms of it's Bisping going in against a smaller guy who's going to be looking to get 
the front foot and beat him that way. Now, Gaston's obviously, I think he throws a lot more shots in GSP. You're, you're not going to have... Well, he, he does go for a lot of takedowns, stuff, but not as much GSP or not as kind of well-timed as GSP. If he throws them, I think he'd be... Or if he goes for takedowns, I think they'll be easier to defend. But Bisping just lost, basically, to someone who was playing that forward pressure game against him. I think... I'm, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I think Gaston's like a little bit of a better version of GSP, to, to be honest, these mm-hmm. days, you know, a, modern, a kind of a modern version of GSP who throws more shots, different shots, and is just, a, you know, more of a an all-around striker, to be honest. I find that I find it very hard for Bisping to lose to GSP in that fashion and then beat Gaston, you know. Well, I think I think the the threat of the takedown obviously is way less with with Gaslam and that's true. And like I, 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 with all Gaslam fights, you kind of got to wait till he stands on the scale and what he what he looks like before you you can you can put money down on him. But <laughs> sometimes he comes in looking rough, and he, he obviously hasn't put in the work that he should. So that could be a factor. But um, I haven't seen any any videos of him in the lead up so far. But let's assume assuming he's in shape, uh, I, I, I'd uh, I'd expect Gaslam to win. I think he kind of shot himself in the foot in the past, kind of not really taking it all too seriously, kind of relying on his ability to get him through fights. And maybe maybe it was a bit easy for him at, at one stage. Um, he obviously, he, he was on the, uh, the ultimate fighter and he was, he was kind of inexperienced, but he was able to just kind of get everybody down and, and choke them. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'd lean with Gaslam, but I want to see him on the scale first. As long as he's in shape, I think, I think he's going to win this one. And then, I know, I know. For Bisping, it's probably it's probably one more fight after this, so maybe it doesn't really matter. But uh, like, I think he's probably going to get a, like a kind of nice matchup in 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 uh, the UK for for his final one anyway. So it probably doesn't affect it doesn't affect his next uh, the matchmaker's uh, choice and who he's going to fight next. So maybe it's maybe it is good for Bisping to just get another payday before he retires. But all the talk of retirement, I believe when when he's retired for two years, you know. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Right, let's let's move on. And let's just have a, a quick talk here about there's rumours of Nate Diaz fighting Tyron Woodley at UFC 219. Then Chris Cyborg versus Holly Holm was announced. Whether the Diaz-Woodley thing is actually happening now, I don't know. It seems unlikely now after the Cyborg. It seems, like they're, they're, it seems like they're trying because they didn't announce uh, Holm and Cyborg as the main event. They just announced it on the card. Yeah, It'll probably end up being the main event, but it, like, it seems like they're trying to work on something for that card. Probably... Diaz and Woodley, but from the sounds of what Woodley was saying and what people are saying um, online, which is not always reliable, but apparently it seems like Nate doesn't want the fight or doesn't want the fight at the, the terms and the money that they are offering. So uh, I don't like Nate's not one to, to crumble under kind of public public pressure from the UFC yeah. or or whatever. It seems like that. So I think the only way it'll get done is if Nate has gets a payday that he that he thinks is worth it, and I don't think that's going to happen. What do you think if it does happen? What do you think of that fight? Did this... I think uh, it's a great matchup for Woodley. I think yeah. uh, I think Diaz struggles against people who can who can take him down and kind of get on top of him. Um, he struggles against leg kicks, which Woodley isn't really known for. But Woodley is a very good game planner and he's very very good at sticking to a game plan. So I'd expect him to implement a bit of that as well. Um, you can never rule out somebody like somebody like Diaz who who has the ability to put uh, comp- like massive combinations together like he does. But it's a very it's a very difficult matchup for Nate. I think I think Nate should fight at one fifty five and kind of position himself for uh, position himself uh, in, the, in the top five or six for that, and then get people excited about the McGregor rematch again. Yeah, a while ago I think it might have made a bit of bit of sense when he'd beaten McGregor if that rematch wasn't happening. But now I don't think it makes any sense. And I, I look, I'm okay for fights not making sense as long as they're fun. 
But I don't think this one is that fun. As you say, I think it's a horrible matchup for Nate Diaz. I think Woodley would beat him pretty easily, to be honest. I think he, you know, McGregor knocked him down, what, three times in the first two rounds of their second fight. And Woodley is, you know, Woodley's a huge man, way bigger than McGregor. Hits really, really hard. If, you know, he hits him a couple of times like that, I think he's gone out. And even if he doesn't, I think he's he has the ability to take him down and beat him on the ground. Uh, as well, do I know. Do, do you think Woodley would have the the stand up advantage, or do you, like, do you think he'd be able to land the shots? I don't think he'd be able to land the shots like McGregor. I do. Yeah, I, I do because I, I think, think he, you remember Diaz against, uh, Johnson. He looked like he's really putting his, his, his boxing and his stand up together for, like better than ever. And obviously yeah. in the Connor fight, in the, in the first Connor fight, he obviously the strikes led to the led to the finish, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But the, so, the thing about the thing about Tyron Woodley is it's dragging him into that fight. Like Woodley is a guy who will just we saw it against Wonderboy, and I don't think Nate's a bigger, better, a better striker than Wonderboy. Like I think if he can do that against Wonderboy, he can do it against almost anyone. And I think Nate will come forward a lot more than Wonderboy. But I think like it's difficult with Woodley because you looking at him, you think okay, he'll come out and he will throw those big shots and get into the pocket and throw him. And he might do that against Woodley or against uh, Nate, and I think he probably would if that fight was to happen. But the fact he didn't do it in two fights against Wonder Boy very understandable. But then he didn't do it against Damian Maya as well. I know he had a shoulder injury and all, uh, um, you know, during that fight. So maybe that's that's the reason why he didn't do it there. But it's it's difficult to know if he will do it. Logically, I think he will. You know, I I don't think that he's getting dragged into the war, but I do think he'll get he'll have a, a game plan. I think he's one of the best game planners in man. He'll have a game plan where he lands those big shots on Diaz, where he takes him down. I, I, like, I, I don't think he's getting submitted from the bottom by Nate Diaz. Nate is a very, very good bottom game and everything like that, but I just don't think, I don't think he's he's submitting him. But, like, as as a fight, you know, you can you can debate it out. But, as I was saying there, like, most of these kind of, the money fights, if you want to call them that, they're kind of fun or, you know, it's good matchmaking, like Bisping GSP. I think they're, you might not like that fight. You might not like the fact GSP is skipping the line or whatever, but G- Bisping versus GSP was a very even matchup. Guys at a similar sort of stage in their careers, finding each other. Same with Henderson and Bisping. You know, even like if, if Uriah Faber was to fight TJ Dillashaw, you know, you have the rivalry there. There's some bit of sense in it. Or, you know, you have, you know, just, just, you know, McGregor coming up to fight the RDA at first or whatever, or, you know, the belt was on the line and didn't fight Nettie Alvarez after, you know, after going one and one against Diaz or the Diaz second fight. Not all kind of fun fights or make sense. This just, this is just money, like, and it's nothing else. And that, that's a bit weird to me because, yeah. you know, it's, I don't like know. I, it's, I, think, yeah. I think Nate's, Nate's filled out like a bit since, since the, the Roy McDonald and Dong fights at welterweight, mm-hmm. but he got seriously ragdolled. Uh, he wasn't able to stop the tight ends. They were just able to slam him at will. I know he's definitely bigger now, but he's not, he's not, a, he's definitely not a big welterweight. He, he's, he's a big lightweight, but like, he, he's just not a welterweight. Um, mm-hmm. He's just not a natural welterweight anyway. And I wouldn't rule Nate Diaz out. Out completely if it was to happen, but it's just not a good style matchup. And I just think I think uh, as long as Woodley can implement a, a good game plan, which he's shown that he's actually like Woodley might not be improving uh, technique wise anymore, or make, not making big leaps anyway. But I think the how he's been getting better is his, his IQ in, in the fight and his game plans. So I, I think that the blueprint is there to beat Diaz, and I think that Woodley would use it and beat him if uh, if the fight did happen. But I, I don't expect the fight to happen. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think, look, styles make fights, and Diaz is a bad style matchup for McGregor. We saw that in the first fight. We saw it in the second fight as well. You know, he uh, he struggled against him, although he did beat him. But against Woodley, it's it's kind of the the opposite way around. I think Woodley is just a horrible matchup for, for Nia. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if it'll happen. I suppose we'll see. But what is happening is Holly Holm against Chris Cyborg. And this is really the fight that needed to happen, isn't it, for that 145-pound division to give it some bit of legitimacy. Yeah, and like Cyborg's opening as a massive favorite, but like if like if, if if Holly wants people to lead, and I think Cyborg will lead in the in the striking, and she's going to try and counter. And okay, she she's won she won dominantly in her last fight, Cyborg, but she didn't look great. You know, she was taken down quite easily a couple of times. She's kind of struggled. Uh, she she got taken down and mounted by Gina Carano, and I know this is years and years ago, but that's kind of a weakness in her game. The Holly Holm isn't really that kind of that kind of fighter, but. The, the counter, like if 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 she leads and, and lets Holly Home counter, it, she could get caught with a shot. But I I would lean. I I doubt I'd be picking Cyborg. But it opening so wide as a as a massive favorite. There might be some there might be some value there on on home. Yeah, we'll obviously you know we'll do a lot of analysation of this fight as it comes closer to it. But I did a video over my Facebook today and I was ta- kind of talking about it a little bit that. Uh, it, Cyborg has changed as a fighter recently where she fights as a more cerebral kind of fighter and not coming out just bashing the heads off ladies in 30 seconds and knocking them out uh, and that's done her good because she's you know she's not taking any damage she's still winning but that's kind of taken away what made her special as well and she's still a special fighter because it she shows that she can do it both ways that she can you know be cerebral do it slowly or be fast and animalistic and you know, take people clean out of it uh but doing that against doing that against Holly Holm is a dangerous game because Holly Holm's technique is just as good. You know, it's it's Holly Holm is if you're playing technique against technique with Holly Holm, you need to be really really good. And Cyborg is really good, and as you said, I think she'd beat her as well. But that that hasn't that's an interesting fight for me. Like if this happened a year ago or eighteen months ago or whatever, and Cyborg was just crushing people all the time. I, I think I'd pick Cyborg to win probably in the first or second round. I just think she's too much of an athlete, too strong, hates too heavy. But the way she's fighting now, I think it's a more even fight. And I think it's you know it's a fight that could probably go four or five rounds. And uh, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. But um, if it does go long, it'd be interesting to see what Cyborg looks like as the rounds go on as well, because it's it's been a long time since since she uh, was she's been in championship rounds. I don't has she ever been in championship rounds? I don't think she has. No, I don't think so. No. It would be interesting to see Holly Holm has gone the distance before. <clears throat> she was really really close fight with Durand around me. Um, so she's been there before. She 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 had a was it the fourth or the, was it the fifth round against uh, Misha Tate? Uh, yeah, fifth round, wasn't it? Where she got yeah, so she, out, yeah. yeah, she got choked out in that one, but she she didn't <clears throat> look like she couldn't go. She couldn't go the distance or anything like that, cardio wise, and so it'll be that that'll be another facet of it that Holly Holm can drag it deep and kind of frustrate Cyborg by making her lead and trying to drag her into the the later rounds and see how see how she fares, uh, cardio wise. Yeah. Right, let's move on. Let's talk about this this McGregor apology. And obviously, we spent a lot of time about it last week, and we were talking about this, so we we better mention it again. Let me just read out uh, pieces of it there quickly. Uh, McGregor said, "I sincerely apologize for all for my behavior at last uh, last weekend's fight event in Dublin while trying to support a local teammate and friend. I let my emotions get the best of me and acted out of line as multiple weight UFC champion, executive producer, role model, and public figure. I hold myself to higher standard. Referee Mark Gonard was making horrendous decision in trying to pick an on." 
unconscious fighter up off the floor and forced the fight to continue into the second round. Again, even against the wishes of said fighter's coach, the fight was over. After witnessing my fighter in a fight where the worst happened and the opponent passed away from his injuries on the night, I thought the worst was about to happen again and I lost it and overreacted. I'm sorry to everyone. I sincerely apologize to the director of the Mohegan Tribe Department of Athletic uh, Regulation, Mike Mazzulli, all the officials and staff working in the event, Andy Ryan and his fighter, John, two staunch ones that put up a great fight every time. That's I will always have my respect. And lastly, every one of my fans, I love you all. Uh, I'll always, uh, I've always learned from my mistakes and will be, and this will be no different. Um, there's parts of it good and there's parts of it bad, in my opinion. Uh, look, this I know a lot of people have said this, but invoking the death of Joe Carvalho is, is just weird here because Conor McGregor jumped in there to celebrate he didn't jump in there to save John Redmond. You know, when Mark Goddard said this fight might not be over, he didn't do it because John Redmond was going to get hurt. He did it because he thought a win might be getting taken away from Charlie Ward. You know, he he was like roaring and shouting around the place, roaring at, at Mark Goddard, roaring at Andy Ryan, you know, making, you know, we, we've obviously went, went over this in great detail last week, but this apology was just, it didn't hit the mark at all, did it? I think parts of it were like he just should have. He should have, if he wasn't going to apologize to Goddard, he should have just not not mentioned them. Yeah. Um. He could apologize to to John Redmond, Andy Ryan, Mohegan Sun, uh, Mike Mazzuli, Bellator, all that. Said, oh, I'm going to find home myself to a higher standard and just leave it at that. I don't know why. Don't know why he he won't let this Goddard thing go. Um. I think the it's, Goddard it's thing goes like back this, to it's this the, petulant superiority complex that he seems to have these days. You know, Chael Sonnen said he's you know he's marking out for his own gimmick, and it's it seems that way. You know, he's he's kind of you know working himself into a shoot a little bit. You know, it's 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 very odd that you know. He, all right, fair enough to do it, make the mistake after making loads more mistakes, but then to come out and just show a blatant disregard for the mistake and say that he's going to learn from the mistakes while three sentences earlier just basically saying that he hasn't learned from the mistakes and that it wasn't a mistake and that he blames someone else for it basically it's just i thought that was you know i thought it was very odd you know as you said if you're making an apology make an apology don't make half an apology and look like if he doesn't want to apologize yeah. to goddard just leave goddard out of the statement that's, mm -hmm. what, that's what i think but you know, he, he does what he does and <laughs> it's worked for him so far. Like, yeah. um, obviously the, the controversy is, is not good, but it, it makes people hate you more that that hated you before. So maybe they're going to pay for pay-per-views and all that. May, like, it probably won't harm him in the long run. It probably won't harm him at all. But it's just, it's if you're going to apologize, apologize. If you're not going to apologize, then don't. I don't think anybody would have been like, oh, he needs to apologize immediately to, to Goddard if he hadn't have. So I think... I think it was a strange move to, not, if you, to, as I said, just don't mention Goddard if you don't want to apologize to him. If you, if you think, if you think he doesn't like you, or you think he's actually, there was an interesting point on him. Maybe they were they were talking about it and they were saying, um, did do you think Goddard should be allowed ref or not allowed, but should be should be assigned to ref SVG Ireland guys anymore? Yeah, I think he should. I, I think Goddard comes out of this looking very well. You know, you saw Dylan Two putting up a picture of him afterward that he loves having Goddard ref his fights. I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think I've, I have a hundred percent confidence in Mark Goddard's uh, unbiased nature and his ability to referee fights. I don't think I, it's the bias thing though. I think it's just that like the controversy with Connor and, and uh, in Gdansk where he was shouting the cage side and Goddard had to in the middle of the fight, sit him down, which I think was, or attempt to sit down, which I think was really good refereeing, but 
it's just that's, it's just kind of putting Goddard in this awkward position, like that maybe that's a Conor like, McGregor from, issue, though. That's not a Mark Goddard issue, you know. I know, but for Goddard, maybe it would be this, his life would be a lot easier for the money he's getting for doing this if he just if he just didn't have to deal with this. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, don't. Like, maybe, I mean, it's, it's kind of punishing him, though. It's not really punishing him, but like, if he looked at as it can be looked at like that, which I definitely wouldn't want to do because it's definitely not Goddard's fault. Uh, it's the dancing or the the Bellator thing. Um, so. <sighs> It's a strange one. It's I, a strange one. I, I can understand for maybe McGregor fights and for Artem Lava fights and Charlie Ward fights where McGregor's going to be there. But like we saw the last day, he wasn't there for Dylan Duke's fight or Brian Moore's fight or any of, you know, he's there for his close teammates, but not the rest of them. Uh, you know, so I, I don't think any of those guys would mind, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I see your point in fairness, and I definitely don't think he should ref McGregor again just from a McGregor point of view, really, just to avoid controversies. I, I think it's a fair enough point. And uh, Dana, I suppose. Mark Goddard's release as well. We don't need to talk about that too much because we kind of discussed it last week. That was kind of the way yeah. people were praising him kind of massively. I, I thought it was too long. I thought he yeah, kind of repeated himself a bit. I think a lot of people were messaging me being like, "Oh, did, what did Goddard say?" I'm not reading that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. too long didn't read kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very good though. I thought it was. It was definitely. Too I thought long. it was good, but yeah. he kind of he did kind of go over a couple of things multiple times. I think, but he definitely wanted to make it as clear as possible. So I suppose it's better to. To go for clarity than, than shortness and if people yeah. don't want to read it then that's their problem yeah 100% yeah and the Paul Redman thing as well was a bit weird but he yeah yeah Goddard and Paul Redman yeah that's that's the fight to make <laughs> make it happen yeah but uh, yeah let's uh, actually last thing on that on the MMA hour on Monday uh, Mike Mazzulli was on with Ariel and uh, he said that McGregor was due to be on the uh, end of year card against Tony Ferguson and the the UFC the UFC taught Mike Mazzulli this he said and that uh, they've pulled him from that card because of the the incident at Bellator. Well, I think they they wanted Connor on the card, but it definitely wasn't done. Uh, the UFC would have loved that, like to get get him in before the year. The revenues look better, especially with Dana talking all oh, the best year or whatever. It would be a nice shot in the arm to maybe make that come true or close to come true who knows like we haven't seen the financials obviously it's hard to, it's very hard to know it's speculation but um they i think the uc wanted connor on that car but when it was when you're six weeks out it's just it's a bit or was it just over six weeks out seven weeks out yeah it, it's just it was too it was very unlikely they would have had to get it done in the next few days and it, it didn't look like they'd come to an agreement or anything like that so yeah the uc would have wanted him on it i don't think he was on it like like mizuli seemed to think but um it was, a, it was a strange one. Uh, Audi coming out, or Connor's manager, Audi Atar coming out and saying, no, that's not true. It was a bit of a strange one. Um, <laughs> Why would you do that? Let him think it's true. Like, you know, it's... Yeah. That was, um, it was, was strange. That was kind of the strangest thing about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was very, uh, yeah, but uh, as you said, I think it, it was possible, but I don't think it was by any means certain. And if the UFC told them that, I don't think that was... I don't think that was 100% true, but uh, I suppose we'll never know that. Right, let's, let's move on. Um... George St. Pierre versus Michael Bisping, just in, in short order here, got 875,000 buys in North America, according to Dave Meltzer from MMA Fighting and the Wrestling, uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Um, quite simply, I think this makes the McGregor versus GSP fight inevitable. I think it's a huge money fight. I think it does over 2 million uh, pay-per-view buys. And the UFC want money. John St. Pierre wants huge money. Conor McGregor wants huge money. Uh, are people still denying this like or uh, i think it's almost yeah certain. i think i think it won't be next i think gsp might fight at welterweight yeah he might want to fight at welterweight first i think connor will probably fight tony whenever whenever that happens but 
it does like the, the UC did want it wanted to happen. They had GSP cage side before the before the the first Nate Diaz fight with Connor. Uh, there was rumors that they were going to square off afterwards. Obviously, it didn't go to plan, and Nate ended up winning. But they definitely have been like the UC definitely know that this is a big big set or endeavor. I think they're WME and G changed their name to Endeavor now, didn't they? Oh yeah, I think they did. Yeah. So Endeavor obviously know that this is a this is a fight that sells. Um, even even casual fans will, will be interested in this one. So they that they're the kind of fights they want to put together. They're not looking at rankings. They're not looking at belts. They're looking at big money fights. So yeah, I think they Endeavor would love to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last thing before we get to the questions as well, um, Bellator announced on the MMAR as well that Jack Swagger, Jake Heck, real name, has signed signed for Bellator. Uh, we, we haven't really talked about this much beforehand or anything, but as uh, you're not a WWE fan or anything like that, how I much never even you, heard of the guy before. You never heard of him? Yeah. I'd never heard of him, yeah. Jack Swagger's the kind of name that you probably remember if you had heard as well, but mm-hmm. like, you know, um, the only time I know, I don't think I know about wrestling is when all the MMA media and fans turn into pro wrestling marks. Uh, every time there's a there's a like a pay per view, and they start Summer, tweeting like madmen. tonight actually, so they're, they're oh, really? oh yeah, we're in for like, in for another. Yeah, he was uh, all the same jokes as always. From the <laughs> yeah. Lame, lame, overgrown kids. How dare you? He was. I believe, <laughs> a, I believe he was a WWE champion at once. He wasn't the greatest. Uh, professional wrestler at all he was he was good he got the wwe he was there for a long time he had a kind of a an all-american gimmick going for for a while uh but maybe my this doesn't ring a bell for some reason yeah but he he was a, a talented uh amateur wrestler in his day he was an all-american uh obviously a heavyweight a very very big guy and he's going to be fighting at heavyweight so this is definitely more of a brock lesnar than a cm punk was he division one yeah yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was o- Oklahoma, I believe. But he was. Yeah, he was really, really good wrestler. Um, what age is he? <clears throat> I think he's is he thirty or something like that. Thirty, thirty-one oh, okay. or two. He's relatively young. But I don't think he, you know. Obviously, it's going to be very hard to to recapture what Brock Lesnar did from both a, a, a sporting standpoint and from a financial standpoint. I don't think he'll get there. But it's de- you know this this isn't CM Punk. So um, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm no, it's definitely not CM Punk. It's, it's probably it's it's way closer to Brock Lesnar than CM Punk because CM Punk just was was not a fighter in any way he rolled a few times in jiu-jitsu by the sounds of things <laughs> like you know he was he was a white belt in jiu-jitsu was that was his uh best fighting accomplishment at the time when he started deciding he was going to do mma and it obviously didn't turn out very well but uh brock lesnar obviously was was obviously like 105 and four as a wrestler he'd he lost only to people like Cole conrad who's obviously the best ever um, right. <laughs> um he definitely doesn't have the well. I hadn't even. I, I'd obviously heard of Brock Lesnar before he came in. Like I think most people who don't even watch wrestling had, had heard of Brock Lesnar. Just you're watching TV and an ad comes on for the next wrestling super or SummerSlam or whatever, and Brock Lesnar would be the guy on the ad. So you, you just you just had a kind of general awareness of Brock Lesnar. Plus, Brock, Brock didn't come straight into the UC either. He, he he had a fight, didn't he? He had a fight. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. Yeah, and he looked good, and there was a kind of excitement that built. Um. Obviously, Brock isn't the best talker, but he he kind of had a stick and he it worked. Like he 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 was. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're around Jack Swagger. Maybe is he a good is he a good talker? Is he? No, he's terrible, terrible. In the oh really? Awful, yeah. yeah, but I, I'm okay, looking well, forward yeah. to seeing him coming. I'm looking forward to seeing him anyway. It's, yeah, uh... it'd be interesting to see. It's it's not one of these ones where you're just like, oh, he's gonna get killed because it's, it's more unknown. When you when you do have a wrestling background, who knows who like who knows what kind of what kind of wrestling he's been doing recently what kind of mma training he's been doing maybe he's been maybe he's been in, in the gym for a, a year or two putting in the work already we, we don't know maybe 
maybe it's going to be a CM Punk thing where you have to wait ages for him to fight where he kind of develops. You'd wait like a couple of years, yeah. which I but think would, would people would lose kind of interest. At the, like a lot of the interest was lost, I think, in the CM Punk thing. Um, the initial kind of people were like, wow, that'd be crazy. And then by the time it f- injury and pull out and all this stuff, people were like, oh. I don't really care anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he wants to fight in early 2018, so I believe he will. I think he'll just kind of use his wrestling best. He's been training since he got released by the UFC a while back, but uh, he's doing independent wrestling as well at the same time, so that's going to be difficult. But uh, what, uh, what yeah. weight class is he? Heavyweight. He's big, big boy. He's about so he's like cutting down to 265 kind of job, is it? Yeah, I, I no, I think he, I think he told Ariel he was weighing. 255 or something or two something like that but he's mm. you know he, he's uh, he's gonna be a big boy in there anyway definitely bellator, bellator can match him up with some nice matchups of yeah, guys. 100%. Like, there's a lot of bad heavyweights out there like that yeah. have no wrestling defense and can't get up off their back so you can put him in there against nice guys get him up to five six and now and then then kind of stick him in there like he could end up being like a bobby lashley where all he does is take people down and lay on top of them and nobody likes him and nobody cares yeah. uh but Lashley's good though. Like I, I think I just don't think right, he wants like, yeah. to fight MMA anymore. I just think he's, he's kind of he's kind of boring and he's he's yeah. very safe and um, he's, he's just he's got no kind of public personality. He's not like out there making headlines and people just don't seem to care. TNA's best superstar, Bobby Lashley. Anyway, okay, let's move on to the to the questions. And as always, the Nate Gilday Q and A first up. Uh, okay, true or false? Verdum will fight for the heavyweight belt next year. Next year, Ooh, um. False. I'm gonna go through. I think he. I think he'll beat uh, one or two more guys and do it. Michael Bisping will beat Kelvin Gastelum. Ooh, I'd really like to see Gastelum on the scales first, but I'll go with false. I'm gonna go false as well. Anderson Silva will fight in the UFC again. Hmm. Depends on the length of his ban. Like, uh, if he, if he does get found guilty of this, um. He got a year like the last true. time. He got a year the last time. So if he, if they try to get him off on something again, he could probably get two years this time. And if he doesn't, he get four years. If he gets four years, I'd say that'd be the end of him. But it, yeah, um, it depends what it is. We 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 hasn't even heard what the substance, uh, the no. alleged substance found was. So, um, um, if it's the same, if it's the same thing again, he could end up with, with four, as you're saying. So it's hard to know. But I'll go. I'll say he will find the UC again, even though he is he is old. But I'd say I'd say he won't want to go out like this. Yeah, I'm gonna say true as well. Uh, Paul Fender, Paul Fender, Paul Felder, Dan Hardy, and John Gooden will commentate on a pay per view in 2018. False. Together, yeah, false. I reckon false. Stipe yeah, versus Ingrano will be the next heavyweight title fight. True. Hmm. False. Joe Rogan will leave the UFC in 2018. False. I'm gonna go with true. UFC will put I think on. I heard recently. I think I heard recently that Rogan said somebody said that Rogan had said that he signed another year deal with the UFC. Yeah, he recently did. And but, but that was like in July, wasn't it? Oh, was it? I just saw yeah. somebody say that recently. Um, yeah, I think it'll be his last one. Yeah, you yeah. Know. yeah. The UFC will put on a show in Ireland in 2018. <clears throat> False. False. TJ Dillashaw's next fight will be at bantamweight. True. TJ Dillashaw's next fight will be at bantamweight. True. Yeah. Yeah. CM Punk will fight. We'll have a fight announced within six months. What? True. Uh, Lines' tea is better than Barry's tea. Hmm. False, but Robert Roberts' tea is the best. I don't drink tea, so I'm going to go with uh, true. Uh, Paul Brown asks, uh, do you think Anderson Silva has PED issues taint his legacy? He says, personally, I don't. Here's why. His biggest wins, head kick against Vitor 
uh, two wins against Son and dismantling Stephen Bonner were against lads who are juiced out of their tits. Discuss. That, I think that's, oh, a he's, he's on, that's only a tiny portion of his career, though. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely taints his legacy. All like any kind of cheating taints your legacy. Like even George St. Pierre greasing taints his legacy in my eyes. Like mm-hmm. you cheated. Like you know you got caught cheating. So it definitely taints it. It de- definitely doesn't rule it out completely. Like. Yeah, but it definitely knocks you down. A few knocks it it opens up the question to whether you were juicing your whole career, unfortunately. And when you do when you do it once, it opens that up. When you do it twice, it's, it gives free reign for people to do that. Now he's obviously the second one isn't proven yet. We'll have to wait for that. But if it is, yeah, I think it taints everything. And it, it taint like it Vitor Velfor is tainted as well. It, just because he fought Vitor Velfor, I don't think it makes him untainted or anything. You know, it was it was definitely the Wild West. But like Anderson Silva. Has failed twice now in the USADA system. Uh, well, th- once and probably going to the second time as well. So yeah, I definitely think he's tainted. Uh, Mr. Podge, friend of the podcast, asks, "What do you make of John Kavanaugh's comments on TV3? Seems surreal. Days after backlash, he gets just tries to laugh off Connor's antics." Yeah, I thought that was very, very odd. I actually I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw a little clip that you had put up, and then another mm-hmm. little clip that somebody else had put up. I think that, um, that was basically all he talked about. That. Uh, he didn't really talk about anything anymore. But in fairness, in his defense, like it was, it wasn't an MMA show. It was kind of. It's like, you know, it's like a an evening talk show. It's it's. They're not getting into anything, you know, anything groundbreaking or anything. And I think he was. Yeah, I think it, off, it, yeah. If Ariel asked him the same question, or if you know he was on an MMA podcast, somebody asked him the same question, I think it'd be a little bit different. But still, and all, I thought, you know, saying that that it's understandable and all, you know. It, it's bad. I I don't think that was good, and I don't think the you know like if it was just his coach or his friend or something, fair enough. But like the fact that he's the you know head of the IMAA as well is that's kind of my issue with it. And I think a lot of people's as well that you know you know fobbing that off really just doesn't cut it for me to be honest. And yeah, I didn't think that was that was great to be honest. Uh, Michael O'Shea asks, it's going to be Nate. It's going to be Nate. Welterweight champ versus McGregor, double champ, isn't it? Do, do, I don't think Nate's... Beaten. No, I, I don't think that fight would happen yeah. between Woodley, and I think if it does happen, I think Woodley is a big favourite to win it. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Podge asks, uh, Uriah Hall is fighting Vitor Belfort, apparently, and uh, he's not... Sh- uh, <laughs> Vitor didn't retire, he's not shocked. Is anyone shocked? No, no one's shocked, are they? Never be shocked. Uh, the only real MMA retirements are the two goats, Carl Pendred and Carl Conrad. Carl Conrad, yeah. I don't know, Carl. <laughs> I'd, say Carl I'd say Carl could be back. Carl's in the gym there know. the whole time, you know. I don't know. I wouldn't know. The whole time, though, that he's, been, that he's been out, he's been helping guys get ready and kind of yeah. keep himself fit. Yeah. And he's he's got this movie, TV career going, and he's got his he's got his restaurant. And mm-hmm. I just don't see, he kind of, he kind of did all he was, he wanted to do. He wanted to get to the UFC. He got there. He got wins in the UFC. And then he kind of, he, 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 I think he's happy. I don't, I, I don't. I don't see him talking. I don't see him calling guys out. I don't see yeah. him to get back in there. So I think, I think he's going to stay retired. But, also, uh, like you never know. You never know when MMA retirements. He also got the biggest pleasure of all, sitting alongside Sean Sheehan Lewis once. The biggest, you know, the best pleasure of them all. Uh, <laughs> Michael O'Shea, Admik O'Shea, MMA asks. There, the, he quotes that tough was announced and it's going to be people who are undefeated 3-0 or more at yeah. 145, 155, 170 yes. anyone in uh, Bam or Cage and I think Ireland as well someone else asked uh, that you think it'd be good for this I know I mentioned Richie Smullen and uh, Kiefer Smullen's Crosby. injured Smullen's injured but Crosby yeah, Kiefer Crosby I think it would, it would be good for him Perfect. I think uh, tryouts are well, the tryouts are December and the show films at the end of January I think so mm-hmm. depending on depending on his schedule like 
it's good exposure it's good exposure on the ultimate fighter obviously it's not it's not what it used to be but but if you're one of 600 fighters in the UFC, it's good to have that extra tv time especially if you end up winning the show or doing well in the show getting a couple of nice finishes or you kind of impress on the show people people will remember you obviously though like no they won't be doing the numbers that the, the first few tufts did or that the kimbo the kimbo heavyweight one did but it still it still is good exposure even if uh even if the the hardcore fans don't really like it anymore, I think a lot of casuals kind of half watch the Ultimate Fighter. You know, people who like reality TV, maybe who aren't even that into the fights. Like when I'm watching the Ultimate Fighter, I'm skipping I'm skipping to the fights a lot of the time. You know, I think yeah. for other people, it's 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 not like that. Yeah, uh, Andy Andy Stevenson at Andy S T E one two three friend of the podcast as well. Will Will Brooks fight in Bellator in 2018? Ooh, mm, Jesus. Um. A tough one like i don't know what his contract situation is like would he want to go back to bellator is there more money to be made in, in ksw and other shows yeah i, I, I actually i'll say you probably will but I, i'm not confident at all in saying that yeah uh, i think he i think he probably will uh to be honest i might i don't know actually if they fights pettis maybe he won't uh it's a bit weird but um in mclean as well the notorious film be on youtube eventually I don't know you. Well, yeah, it'll probably be on YouTube eventually, but probably not legally. <laughs> <laughs> All the other ones are on YouTube. I like that. Illegally. <laughs> Daniel Manning. It'll be available Daniel. online, though. It'll be available online. Uh, I'm not sure about YouTube, but uh, it will be online. What's your favorite tough moment ever from At Manning's Nose? Ooh, there's some good tough moments. Uh, Matt Sarah making yeah. fun of uh, Lane, yeah, as we talked about. Well, we asked this last week. I think we might have been. Yeah, there's... Um, Diaz instigating that fight between uh, the lobster guy and I can't even remember who it was. Oh, yeah. oh, what's, your... what's your man's name? The show? Uh, no, what's his name? With the oh, blonde he hair? the lobster hat the whole time. Oh, I can't remember your man. the guy's name. Oh, what's the dude with but, like, the... They, they, they kicked everybody off the show except for Nate Diaz who instigated the whole thing. Junie, Junie Browning. Just Junie oh, yeah. Browning. No, was was it? <clears throat> I don't know. The lobster... Yeah, I don't know. But Junie Browning was my favourite one and tough anyway. He was hilarious and really stupid. <clears throat> but the, what about yeah, when, um, when Josh Koscheck was making fun of drunk <laughs> Diego, Diego Sanchez saying the aliens yeah. are coming oh, Diego? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was brilliant. He tried to attack to get up like... Yeah, and when uh, Chris Lieben made shit of a door after they put like a hose in him, but that was bad for him. That Bobby Sauer was a prick. Remember, he was cutting weight and nearly died as well. And so remember that the early yeah, seasons, yeah, were, yeah. the early seasons were good. Michael Bisping also falling off the pool table against Mayhem Miller that time. Remember that? Oh, that, yeah, was that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Right. Probably loads <clears throat> we're forgetting about, but yeah, yeah. Eamon yeah, cool. McLean uh, at Eamon McLean. Uh, surely Salah is the player of the year so far. Mm. In the uh, English Premier League, yeah, I'd say um, Kevin De Bruyne. Hmm. Yeah, I think Kevin De Bruyne is probably the best player in the league at the moment. Um, it's kind of he's in a better team as well, so he's in the best team at the moment, anyway, form wise. So he does have better players around him, which kind of makes you look better as well. But I, but I do think that uh, that Kevin De Bruyne is the best. I think Salah has been the best signing of the, of the year in the Premier League so far. Yeah. If he can continue this, he'll definitely be the best signing. But um, see, with Salah, he's still like De Bruyne is more polished. The, Salah still has a bit of way to go. Like he's, he's striking mm-hmm. at the ball. Okay, he had a really nice finish at the weekend, but the striking at the ball sometimes isn't that all that clean. The, like the way De Bruyne strikes the ball is very clean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there's room. There's more. Um, there's more room for development for Salah than there is for De Bruyne. But De Bruyne is obviously still getting better as well. 
Anthony Martial has been phenomenal as well this year. He's been f- really, really good. He's not up there with it. Uh, I don't think this is um, Salah or uh, or De Bruyne yet, but I think he's top five this year anyway. I think he's been really, really good and kind of flying under the radar a little bit as well because he's, yeah, he's still young as well. Like you know, these yeah. guys kind of get written off when they have a few bad games. Like even people like Memphis Depay, like who who got shit. Is he gone from Man United? He's like, gone. Like, yeah, he's at Leon, but they have a like, buyback clause. You know, he looks like you know, he looks all right to be honest. Like I don't know why we hated him so much. Like he he has potential. Like he could end up at a, at a top club in the future. I think. I think yeah. when young guys come in, they're expected to kind of do it immediately and just set the world on fire and just be the best player on the pitch. But it's very rare that that happens. And yeah, maybe like maybe Rashford coming in and doing it uh, early in his Man United career, even though he's kind of dipped off a little now. He, um, yeah, he was brilliant yesterday. Oh, he was so he, good. His, his finishing though was just so clinical when he was first in the, in the team, and it's yeah. kind of it's kind of taken. You, you can't really keep that up though. It was, it was too clinical nearly. You know, yeah. But the, the, the thing about Rashford as well, he's creating now. Like he's crossing is unbelievably good. Like he got yeah. a beautiful assist yesterday. Almost got another two assists with lovely little dinky passes on something you'd see from Mata or De Bruyne or something like. That, that's different class from a guy who's like a speedster finisher kind of. That's. I'm he's good I'm at set so pieces as well. He's yeah. a good striker the ball. Like you know, you know when you get put on, on set pieces that that you, you you kick, you hit a ball well, like you ping a ball well. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, here a good question from Johnny Byrne ask MMA takeover underscore match up a fighter with a very Irish nickname by inserting these shows in their these Irish TV shows. Right. So if you have to, I'm gonna I'm gonna say TV show, and you have to tell me which Irish fighter this could be their nickname for. Right. Which Irish fighter? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ear to the ground. Ooh, who has got, terrible ears? Cauliflower ears. What, <laughs> what about what about like Dave Fogarty? He's like he's in with all the you know the crowd McGregor's uh, photographer and everything. You know he's in he's in with all them. I reckon Dave. Fogarty, you know, Dave, Dave, you know Dave Fogarty. I reckon ear to the ground. Yogarty is way better. Thank you. It is in fairness. It is in fairness. Reeling in the ears. That has to be Neil Seary anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I give you the next one. The next one's a layup here. The late late show. Conor McGregor. Oh, what? What about the Katsi comeback? Everything. Turns the plate to everything. <laughs> that's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Room to improve. Uh, room to All improve. the prospects, uh, you could say that. Yeah, yeah. Put on any of them three, four, five fight guys. Um, yeah. Who is the most... It's hard to know. Like It's really hard to know with these young guys. We talked about it last week where... Here here I have it. I uh, have Fran- Franz Malamba. Yeah, yeah, actually, we should mention that as well. Actually, France mm-hmm. had a we actually the stream died just for the France fight, fucking so annoying. The rest of the stream worked perfectly, uh, <laughs> and uh, when you, on the playback, it's not there. But France could finish the guy uh, in the first round. How do you finish uh, it? I was talking about a straight, a straight. Uh, let me actually, I was talking to France, let me pull up what he said. Um, he said he thought it was a little bit of an early stoppage himself, which uh. Oh, uh, severe and Miz very own Franz Malamba as well we yeah yeah that? did some uh, interviews yeah. at Cage Ring Championship 3 I think it was in Dublin for us that are up on the YouTube page but he said um, uh, he said uh, right straight down the pipe uh, he says I feel like it was a bit of an early stop though Franz is very honest as well about his about himself about his career. So, uh, like a lot of guys wouldn't wouldn't come out and say it was an early stoppage. They were like, "Ah, oh, yeah, your man was done. I was about to finish him." But France is very very honest, and uh, it was a vital win because he's now four and two, and three and three is very different to four and two. I know. I think I've said this like the last three podcasts in a row, but there's been a lot of guys kind of having important crossroad fights, like one of the kind of first kind of important crossroad fights in their careers, in their young careers. 
So a vital win for France, another another finish. Um, the guy uh, who beat France the last time, Loman, ended up winning the the belt in Brave on the same show. So maybe maybe that's the the rematch to make uh, next or down the line. I think I think if France doesn't jump guillotines, uh, and yeah, that's why I said room they, bro. Stays, yeah, stays on the feet and uses his, his kickboxing, which is he's really fast, friends, and he's he's really he's really good uh, on the yeah. feet, and he just needs to keep it there and avoid the ground at all costs. Okay. Last one, then he said, Operation Transformation. Who's who's made a big transformation? Uh, hmm. Um. What about Carl Moore? He's put on a fucking yeah. Well, I suppose fifty pounds of yeah. He put on yeah. He's now like cutting weight to get the super heavyweight like <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Right. He's three three easy. questions. Three quick ones before we go. So Jack Dur just asked about Bilal Muhammad. We talked about him earlier, but he also mentions a homophobic outburst that Kobe Gavin did. We didn't mention that at the start. I kind of forgot that. Yeah, and Actually, that kind of goes against this. what I. Yeah, he he did like a, a YouTube live or a Periscope or something, and he he called Fabrizio Verdum a faggot, uh, and oh. that's. Like we were saying with McGregor a couple of weeks ago, and with Verdum as well, you like that was terrible. And I think, like as I was mentioning earlier on the podcast, the whole you know the whole kayfabe and the putting on you know saying you know calling people filthy animals and stuff that's grand. But when you take it that far in, that's just stupidity. And you do it to do it to yourself on your own stream is just idiotic. And it kind of shows what kind of Kobe Covington is. I think, and that that's you know for all the good things he's done by getting his name out there, that's just going to ruin it all. It's just I wouldn't go that far. Like I wouldn't go that far. I think, I think it will play into the the stick he's going for of of hate me and pay to see people pay, mm. tune in to pay to hopefully see me get the shit out of me, and I think that'll add to that. So I don't think it's undone any of his his good work, if you can call it good work. Yeah, but I think he's a dope as well. You know, uh, when I, yeah, I don't think he's the smartest, the sharpest tool in the box or anything like that. But uh, he he's got a stick and he's sticking to it. And um, it is strange that like he did it on his own stream, as you say. But yeah. It'll make people hate him more, and it'll make people talk about him more. And he stays in the headlines. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of people talking about Kobe Covington still. So he's doing something right. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can't be you can't be around. Just homophobic slurs are just you're just going to upset people, and it's just unnecessary, and it doesn't actually gain anything. It's just for yourself. It's just stupid. Yeah, Dara Kelly at Kildara. Does UFC's Vulcan Oldsmir change his name from no time to did time if he does a stretch in prison? Yeah, did you hear this just actually before the podcast yeah, started? Battery, actually, that sounds pretty bad. It's not even just assault. It's it's yeah. kind of like causing actual body or bad damage to somebody. According to the, the the arrest report, he may he's an innocent man, obviously innocent and proven guilty. We all know mm -hmm. how uh, corrupt uh, the system is, and you, can get, you sometimes it's complete bullshit when you get arrested, but. Uh, so even when you get convicted, sometimes it's a load of bullshit, as, you, as many, many documentaries would, would show you. Um, sorry, so, sorry, uh, Bravo. Hold... Well, I'm just saying facts. Facts don't care about your feelings, Sean. <laughs> Go ahead, Vin Shapiro. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but, uh, uh, ask, ask us, ask us about that one again next week. Ask us about that one again next week because we don't know what happened. It's literally just came out just before, or just as the podcast was starting. Uh, so ask us about that one again next week, and we discuss it and when uh, when a bit of details comes out about it. But yeah, it doesn't look good for uh, Odzimir at the moment. And Gustafsson could come in there. Hashtag nine eleven. Hashtag moon landings weren't real. Uh, if you were. Hashtag Tower 7, yeah, that's the one I was looking for. Fuck. What, what else? What, what other conspiracy theories are there? Oh, what about JFK vaccines? Do you, hear, do, you see, do you see Chris Fields having this thing about vaccines? A lot I've, of never looked, I've never looked into it, actually. What, what, what did Chris oh, say? God. 
Chris said something about like people being idiots because there's a like a measles outbreak or something, and people are idiots for not getting their children vaxxed and va- yeah, vaxxed. And then loads like it had like 500 comments, like loads of people saying, Oh, you should look into Chris and you know, all this and stuff. But yeah, mm. I don't know. I have yeah, no you probably should look into it before but making comments. Vaccines like are good, is my opinion, yeah. yeah. But like, still, he probably but, um, has no, it, uh, like, uh, some vaccines are, yeah, it's, it's kind of. You have to you, like you don't you don't know about it until you actually look into it, and it's hard to comment on it when you don't. But I got three in- vaccines when I was younger, one to stop me getting the mumps, and I got the mumps anyway. So don't know what the fuck they injected me with. Okay, fair enough. We well, let's just get off. Hashtag flatter. Hashtag torso. Podrick Foran asked last question: If you're a fighter, what would your walkout song be? I think we've asked this for him. mine would be um mine would be uh um the stunning blowing up a storm. That's good, that's good. I'd probably come out to some RC just to annoy all the people who don't understand music. Me, in other words, yeah. I, I <laughs> in fair, I reckon though if I, I always say I'd walk out to bring up a storm, but I reckon if I did, I'd end up walking out to the killers. I just kinda have to or else Luke Kelly, maybe. You know. No, if I was in Dublin though, or in Ireland, obviously it'd be in Dublin if you're fighting the big fight. Maniac 2000. How how is a person not going to the Maniac 2000? <laughs> honestly, honestly, the crowd would be on their side more than anyone ever. Like, imagine, yeah, yeah, funky, yeah, everyone would be singing it. It'd be unbelievable. Like, I don't know yeah. how people haven't done that yet. Yeah, I think people heard enough of that song for like the hundred years it was at oh, I love one. it. I love that song. Best song, Mark McCabe. You're a legend. Didn't he make a comeback in like some festival <clears throat> and play it recently and people are going nuts? Yeah. Maniac 2015 or something, wasn't it? <laughs> Legend. Right, that's it. Um, another podcast in the books. Thanks everyone for listening. Please, we got a few ratings and reviews actually lately. So please, if anyone else is out there who hasn't rated or reviewed of on iTunes or anywhere else, please do that. Please spread the word uh, on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere else. Tag us. I'm Sean Sheen MMA over on Facebook, Sean Sheen BA on Twitter, Graham's at Severe MMA everywhere. Um, yeah, so actually go to SevereMMA.com as well, forward slash merchandise and, and buy some stuff there. Yeah. Give us a bit of clothes. Kildara, Kildara was rocking a, a Severe MMA t shirt at the, the Bama Bellator event. Looking, looking short. He was, yeah, yeah. Wet our beak a little bit there. Give by 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 a little bit of stuff and uh, yeah, as well. Give my Facebook page. Like I've been doing videos recently. And one of these cunts like who him, fucking so. think you're important, making your own page. Fucking nonsense. I am important though. Like I'm really important. Like like it as well. I nearly have a thousand views. Now. It's been a bit slow to be honest, but I've got like way more in the last week or two than I have in like the last six months. It's been there. It's hard to get people to like Facebook pages. It takes it takes a while, a good while to build it up. It, I think yeah. a lot of people just buy them and it's just easier. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, I should just do that. Yeah, but there's a few thousand people listening to this now. So if everyone goes over there and likes it, I'll have loads. And if everyone shares it as well, I'll have even more. Tell all your MMA friends about it. Go over to John Chi on MMA and unlike this page if you already yeah, like it. Do, do, yeah, do that. It'd be fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it. Anything else, Graham, that you need to pimp out before we go? Um, no, I'm looking forward to this. We're recording this podcast earlier. I'm going to watch the, the Vikings Rams game. So uh, the NFL's hotting up. The LA Rams. Yeah, fair play to him. Minnesota. <laughs> who's the, who's the quarterback now for the Vikings? Uh, at the moment, it's Case Keenum, who's uh, the third string guy, because uh, Teddy Bridgewater, the the franchise quarterback, is he, he basically coming back from like a year and a half out. He's he's hasn't played since since a year and a half, but he's on the he's on the team now. And uh, Sam Bradford is a some knee injury that's put him out for the rest of the season. So the the third string guy has gone five and five and two though. I think won his last five. Sam Bradford is only a second. He's only a second string quarterback now, is he? Yeah, well, he got brought in when Teddy got, Teddy Bridgewater got injured um, okay. as a replacement, but uh, basically because the whole season would have went to shit if they had to put him there. 
Case Keenum only signed yeah. this year, so they had some other guy who was crap at the, the, the back of quarterback. Nice. I I used to know loads about the NFL and watch it all the time, but I just can't be bothered anymore. I just kind of sure, Packers like fans stopped stopped caring about the uh, the NFL when uh, Anthony Barr took out Aaron Rodgers. That was yeah, like are, the end of days. Are they are they winning like or are they just losing every game now? That's crack. Well, they won the last game. Your man, um, what's his name? I can't remember. Don't the, know the backup quarterback for the Green Bay's name, but uh, Brett Favre. He looked horrendous in the first few games, but he <laughs> he looked horrendous in the first few games. But he, he had a good he had a good win there in the last one against the, the Bears. I think it was. Sweet. Football talk at the start of the podcast and football talk at the end of the podcast. It was great. Thanks everyone for listening. Isn't it weird that American football is called football when they yeah, the ball only touches the foot for like a split second a game? Like, imagine if we if we started a game now and it was like played with bats and stuff, and we started calling it Irish baseball. Like, that'd be the stupidest thing ever, wouldn't it? We just call it something else. Yeah, especially if it had nothing to do with. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like barely like one guy uses his foot and the rest of them don't with, with yeah. the ball so it's kind of strange and they all hate it as well they all hate the guy that uses his foot he isn't even like he's like uh, yeah. not even human to them it's so, a pretty thankless yeah, job though you, if you kick it everybody's like ah, you're, you're meant to kick it and then if you miss it everybody's like you are the worst you've ruined everything yeah, yeah definitely 100% alright that's it <laughs> we, de- we definitely triggered a few Americans anyway with that talk there uh, <laughs> <laughs> th- thanks for listening tune in again next week Episode 140. Trigger, trigger, trigger warning at the start. <laughs> we definitely should. Right, here's the inspirational quote. Just when the caterpillar thought the world was going to end, it became a butterfly. See you next Tuesday. Or Monday. Or Sunday. <laughs>